welcome to the May edition of Life in the Tax Lane. You know what happens in me, gang? Yeah, I get reacquainted with those other people who live in my house. <laughs> you know what, Hugh? That, that is very good, and it's a great lead into what I was actually going to say. It's Mother's Day, so we should celebrate our mothers and, and let them know we yes. love them and stuff? Or, Hugh, you have something to oh. say. You're smiling. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking this is a great test, Joe, of whether our wives watch these videos. So, you know what? I'm not doing anything for Mother's Day. I should know within 24 hours. Oh, geez. Don't worry, honey. I'm not on Hugh's side for this one. We're still good. Uh, let's jump into the tax, Katie. Let's go. We're talking about automobiles. Oh, hey. Happy first Mother's Day to you, oh, by the way. Oh, thank you. All right, tax. Okay. <laughs> automobile allowances. Let's talk about businesses that get their employees to use their personal vehicles for business purposes. And as an employer, we can be paying allowances to these individuals. Depending on the type of allowance, it may be taxable, it may be a non-taxable amount. If it's reasonable, we're good to go, it is non-taxable. Now, the uh, key here is to be reasonable, the law says yes. it cannot be based on anything other than distance. Mm -hmm. And CRA distance. looks really closely for those uh, monthly allowances and as an employer, mm -hmm. Let's uh, face it, it ain't good for morale when all your employees get a tax bill from CRA because you weren't tracking yep. their uh, automobile allowances properly. So yeah. CRA is looking, they're reassessing. Uh, but if it's distance-based, now we get into reasonable as we would think of it. What's reasonable? Yeah, absolutely. So as, as, as mentioned, it has to be based on the number of kilometers actually driven. And Sierra has a technical here talking about um, some scenarios where a per kilometer amount may be reasonable or unreasonable. For example, yes. I mean, what if we have a corporate policy that says we're going to pay you 55 cents for every kilometer you drive up to 5,000 after which you don't get any more allowances. Well, CRA has said in that case, that may be an unreasonable amount because you're not being compensated for the full expenses you would be expected to be incurring for your full uh, driving or, or business use of your personal vehicle. So that's just one of a number of examples that CRA provides with respect to this uh, type of payment. All right. Why don't we move on to the next item now? Uh, now, have you ever been to those farmers markets? And I know Hugh, you buy your yoga pants there all the time, <laughs> your tiger skin hats and stuff like that. You Fake should see tiger. when he stands up. <laughs> Boxers as well. Um, now, this is the concept here. You you go there. You're in a temporary sort of a stall where you're making your purchase, and you say, "I want to pay by credit card." And they whip out their iPhone, and they have that little square device that's inputted into the audio jack, and they can swipe your credit card on there and take a payment. Well, guess what? The producers of that technology and hardware have received an order compelling them to provide seller information to the CRA. So all of those market stall vendors and artisans, etc., who have sold more than $20,000 within a given year between 2012 and 15 or more than 20 grand in the first four months of 2016, they're gonna be on CRA's radar. They're gonna have information mm -hmm. about who they are, their bank accounts, amounts earned, that kind of thing. So you can expect that there will be some follow-up from this project. And I just wanted to do a quick shout out to Dan Loney for first mentioning that to us and giving us some comments on yeah. it. Just one of a number of projects that CRA is undertaking to focus on the underground economy. It's a big area of interest uh, for, for our friends over there. There's one other. Well, they certainly got enough money for right. it in the last few budgets. And yep. uh, now that we know what they've been doing, what are they going to do next? Yes, yes. In, in March, we had a tax tip 
released from the CRA, reminding uh, taxpayers that if you are involved in the sharing economy, that you need to make sure that you're on side with your income you tax obligation. You need to share obligation. some of those revenues with the Canada Revenue <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you need to report your income, you pay uh, and remit your GST, HST. But what I found really interesting about this tax tip is that CRA identified the five major areas where they see uh, sharing economy activities. And this is straight from their tax tip. We're talking about accommodation sharing, the VRBOs, the Airbnbs, for example. Uh, as well as ride sharing, music video streaming, mm -hmm. online staffing, and peer and crowd funding. So there we go. Wow. And we've Heads already seen how easy it is for them to get information from these organizations. Yep. And they've said we're working with these industries uh, to uh, get people on side. So let's jump into some international affairs. Hugh, talk to me about renouncing U.S. citizenship. Isn't it great being subject to tax in one country? It's got to be twice as good having to file in two. <laughs> and uh, most U.S. citizens have started to figure out that the U.S. is one of the few nations that taxes citizens, not just residents. So if you are one of those lucky U.S. citizens who got to file not just one but two tax returns last month, uh, you may be thinking, is it worth it? <laughs> and uh, we, we had a really good article come out not that long ago, Joe, and we've heard from some other U.S. advisors on this that uh, say, don't make your decision two days after you filed the returns, went through all the headaches, and cut the big check to the professional advisor who caught you up for your 25 years that you didn't know you were supposed to file these things. Uh, don't make the decision emotionally, out of yeah. anger. Take a deep breath, give it some thought, wait a couple of months, and also consider the benefits. Uh, as a U.S. citizen, if I were one, I can work in the U.S., my kids can work in the U.S. because mm -hmm. they're also citizens. Uh, that's a heck of a job market. Mm -hmm. uh, travel is restricted for non-U.S. citizens. Uh, as a Canadian, technically I'm not supposed to be in the U.S. more than 183 days in a year. Uh, right. And as a citizen, well, of course, you can go in any time you want. So you get out of tax obligations, but you also get out of that free travel. You get out of the benefits of U.S. intervention if you have a problem in a foreign country, hopefully not in Canada, but certainly if you travel abroad, mm -hmm. that can sometimes become an issue. Uh, the IRS likes to play the name and shame game. If I renounced my U.S. citizenship, I'd be published in that regard, and now everyone can point and uh, say, oh, look at him, he renounced his U.S. citizenship. Uh, in addition, one area that doesn't crop up that often, because the IRS doesn't seem to have done it yet to many, if anybody, but they can effectively say, oh, you gave up your U.S. citizenship just to avoid U.S. taxes. Mm -hmm. Well, you just gave up ever returning, too. You're not allowed in our country anymore. No That's traveling right. to, no traveling through. And mm -hmm. while they haven't done that much lately, we all know what happens when the uh, media catches wind of a story and they uh, fire up the public about alleged tax scheming and tax Asian. avoidance. Mm -hmm. yeah. They may, uh, at some point, get more serious about this and start putting people on what's basically a no-fly zone. Mm -hmm. Well, since we're talking about international, Katie, we had the Panama paper release recently. A whole bunch of names came out. Tell me about the yeah. Canadian angle to this. Well, Royal Bank of Canada has recently uh, publicly stated that they are closing or requesting people to close their bank accounts if they were named in the Panama Papers leak. Um, so we'll see if the other banks follow suit, uh, but just another angle on this uh, big media story. You know, speaking of the name and shame game, CRA yeah. has told us they've got 85 names they're looking yeah. at, right. 60 audits they've begun. Yeah. Nobody's actually been reassessed, much less convicted or proven to have not reported their income yet. But here we have the Royal yeah. Bank closing their bank accounts. Absolutely. Right? 
Let's move on to the next item here. You've got a kid who's never owned a house before, but they inherit one, or you as a parent might give your house to your kid while you move down to the States or the nursing home or whatever. If that kid gets a house for the first time, even if, even if it's gifted, mm -hmm. they may actually be eligible for the home buyer tax credit. Now the name makes it sound like you gotta buy a house, but if you look at the actual requirements as was done in this one technical interpretation from CRA, it's only required that you acquire a house. Doesn't say that you have to pay for it. So that credit may be available in those situations. Yeah. Now, of course, if you are a parent giving a house to a kid, don't forget, you've got a disposition there. You may have some tax to pay or you may have to disclose it on your tax return uh, as a disposition of real estate. So don't yep. forget about or your that. principal residence. So we, we just uh, realize now that you can get the first time home buyer's credit without actually buying a home. I don't know why people think tax is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, some other yep. guys who might think tax is confusing, some partners who have uh, left their work with their partnership. This would be individual partners, not people who are partners through mm -hmm. corporations. But often the partnership gives us almost a pension a retirement payment from partnership earnings, and that goes on our tax return just like other partnership income. Well, for well over 20 years, I think most if not all of these retired partners thought that at least this wasn't subject to CPP premiums, because CRA had a technical interpretation where they appeared to have reached the conclusion that these payments didn't attract CPP. Well, we had one uh, retired partner very recently go to the tax court and say, uh, CRA says I'm not subject to CPP premiums. How come they're charging me CPP premiums? And the judge said because 21 years ago, either they got it wrong or the law changed or your facts are different, but yeah, you're subject to CPP on this. So if you're in a partnership and you're going to get payments post-retirement or you're going to be paying your partners post-retirement, you may want to have a look at that and check and see if there is a CPP issue on retirement. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much. Enjoy your May. Have a wonderful day. Tell and a mother. wonderful Mother's Day. Oh, yes. <laughs> this episode was brought to you in part by the Canadian Tax Planner Newsletter. Each five to nine page issue will dig into a carefully selected topic to keep you up to date on critical tax and financial opportunities and pitfalls. This valuable resource starts at $99 for 10 issues. Go to CanadianTaxPlanners.com to subscribe today.